All right, friends, we're going to get started. <clears throat> you, will, you will want uh, a Bible, so if you don't have one, there's a few up here that you can come use, or if you have your own, that's great. You'll certainly want that. You need a green sheet as well. Uh, please make sure that you signed in. That would be super helpful uh, for us to know who's here. And uh, man, it's good to see you. It's good to be back uh, on this side of Christmas and Snowmageddon. All good uh, to be uh, together. And I'm super glad uh, that we're going to venture in to what I think actually matters. Uh, some, some, some people have said uh, the study of the Ten Commandments feels a bit archaic. Uh, I studied it in eighth grade, some of you did. I learned it back then. What's the... What's the reason to come back? Well, there's, there's two things here that I think are really important. Number one, number one, I remember when I, when I first went to college, I was studying music and I uh, got into a voice lesson. So I started taking voice. Voice was one of the principal instruments that I had for a music degree. And I remember going into my voice teacher to Miss Betty. Uh, Miss Betty was like 4'11". She was this tiny, tiny little woman with a humongous voice. It was amazing. And um, I, I, I had really never taken a voice lesson before. Uh, so I, I didn't, didn't really know uh, what, to, uh, what to expect. And uh, for, first day in the lesson, uh, all we did was breathe. That's it, just breathing. <laughs> just, I was like, huh, fun. You know, <laughs> I've been doing that for a long time. Like, I can breathe, you know. Uh, and the, the following week, uh, we got into just some scales, right, just, just singing scales and some small tones and vowels and uh, all kinds of things. And I, I assumed that over time, what would happen is that we would begin just working on music, right, actual songs. Like, that was the goal. I wanted to work on songs. And so um, it, was, it was interesting. It took, it took almost, almost half of an academic year before we ever got into actual songs, now, I was a novice, and I, I can appreciate that, that there's a, a need to, uh, to come back and to uh, sort of know the basics or the fundamentals. What's fascinating is in my fourth year of lessons with Miss Betty, for the first half of the year, guess what we did? <laughs> Just breathing, yep. Scales, right? Vowel work, why? Well, Miss Betty would often say, you can never leave the fundamentals. You, you can't ever leave these basic things. The best singers in New York City, the best singers in musical theater, the best singers in the opera, the best singers on the radio, they'll never leave the fundamentals. These things matter. Anybody who's been in sports or played sports know that fundamentals make all the difference. There's a reason why on a basketball team you shoot free throws every single practice. Fundamentals. Uh, I think that the Ten Commandments, the study of the Ten Commandments, the study of the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, the things that live in our small catechism, they are the fundamentals. And we should regularly uh, come back to those fundamentals. We should know them uh, in our hearts, but also live them in our lives. So, so the first thing is, the first reason I think we come back to something like this is because it is important uh, to remember the fundamentals. Number two, uh, number two, many of the contemporary issues that the church finds itself dealing with as it kind of lives in and works in the culture around us, many of those contemporary cultural issues are wrapped up in the Ten Commandments 
and how we approach those particular issues is also wrapped, us, wrapped up in these commandments. And so, so understanding them not only as fundamentals, but how we understand cultural issues. For example, how do we understand our relationship with the government? As Christians, how do we understand our relationship with the government? And to what degree are we supposed to honor those who are in the authority of the government? And to what degree are we supposed to do what they say because God has anointed them and put them there? Now, we we have, I imagine, opinions about that. But when it comes to the commandment of honoring mother and father, it includes all of those who are in authority. So what does that mean for us? Uh, Another example uh, would be Second Amendment rights, our our sort of right to bear arms. Uh, That is a part of what the government allows us to do. The question is whether we should be able to use them on people. Even in self-defense, the commandment you shall not kill speaks to that, and we should understand it. So we think about the sexual ethic of the world today, right? This I shall not commit adultery plays into those things. So you can begin to see in all of these cultural issues kind of these fundamentals that are living beneath it and the Ten Commandments speaking to those things. And so we're going we're gonna to try to unpack uh, the Ten Commandments fairly slowly, try to unpack them in a way that deals specifically with cultural contemporary issues so that we can see how it is those things connect. So to do that, I think it's important that we should probably pray about it first, and then we'll get into some of what's in front of you, all right? Uh, Good and gracious, Father, I say thank you for the morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in this space as sisters and brothers to come around your word and to study, and to study what it is you have given in the law and what it means for us then as followers of Jesus, those who are living out his words and his ways. What does it mean to live in that law? So, Father, we pray for blessing in this study, not only today, but in the journey ahead. We ask all of it in the precious and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, One one more thing uh, before we get started. We we will take much of what we do over the course of the next couple weeks out of Luther's small catechism. Uh, Luther uh, wrote a catechism uh, really, as he, he traveled around uh, Germany and he was, he was appalled that people didn't know the basics, or they didn't know the fundamentals. And so he wrote uh, a small catechism of fundamentals around the things that I've already stated, the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and then dealing with the things of baptism and Holy Communion. And really, the catechism was designed to be put into the hands of parents in order to teach their kids. And it's put into the hands of parents, the parents can know the fundamentals, and so they can pass on the faith to their kids. It's been really interesting, in contemporary culture, uh, oftentimes the Lutheran Church in Confirmation gives catechisms to kids rather than give it to the parents for them to teach them. <laughs> But when Luther wrote it, that was his intention, right, was to put it into the, hands, into the hands of parents. Now, because of much of what we'll take over the course of the next couple of weeks is from Luther's catechism, uh, if you don't have one but want one, uh, we will order one for you. 
Uh, we'll tell you what the cost of that is. And then you can have one in your home and you can use it, right, as a way of doing fundamentals. Uh, I have four here. <laughs> uh, there's a German version that was my great-grandmother's. It's in German, if anybody wants the catechism in German. I can't read it. It looks pretty, uh, but I, I, have, I have no idea what it says. Um, eh, maybe every... No, I have no idea what it says. But, uh, but this was, yeah, this was my great-grandmother's uh, really, really fascinating bit of catechism. I've got a 1939 catechism. This was my dad's catechism. Uh, when he was uh, growing up in the church. Much smaller, really, this is kind of like as simple as it gets in many ways. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a fan of the King James Version, uh, this, this would be your cup of tea here, right? The, 19, uh, the 1939 edition. Now, it's really hard to find. You can find it on Amazon. It costs you like 70 bucks, right? So, if, I mean, if, you, if you're really a fan of King James, you want to go after it for $70, you can do that. I don't know what the German version uh, costs, uh, but the one that's m- the one that's most recent uh, is this one. It's fascinating to me that the small catechism is getting large. It's getting bigger and bigger. It's not just small. Uh, when I when I was in confirmation, it was paper. It was like this tiny little leaflet, basically. Uh, but but I will say that the the newest version. Uh, really does a good job with lots of questions and answers and all of the scriptural references for those questions and answers as it relates to the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, Baptism, and Holy Communion. So if that's something that you want, if you don't have a catechism and would like to use it over the course of time, there's a sheet on your way out. Just sign up, and like I said, we'll get them ordered and then tell you what the cost of those is on the other side. All right? All right, here's what I'd love for you to do. Got some time at a table uh, this morning, and I want you to just dive into these kind of first questions uh, that are here. And what we're going to do is we're going to begin to think about the nature and the purpose of law, right? The nature and the purpose of law. So as a table, it's four questions here. Uh, What comes to mind when you hear the word law? Like when I hear that, what's the first thing uh, that I begin to think? From your perspective, do people generally like or dislike the law? And why do you think that? Right. Uh, number three, how many laws do you think you follow on any given day? Good luck. And number four, from your perspective, what is the purpose of law? All right, so I'm going to give you some time as a table just to talk about these things, and then we'll talk about them together. So I'm going to give you a solid seven, eight minutes to get after it. If we need a little more, we'll take it. But seven or eight minutes for sure, and then back together. All right? Go. All right, let's come on back. This, is, um, this has been an interesting, an interesting exercise this morning. Um, I, I happen to overhear uh, both love and disdain for particular kinds of laws. Uh, some of you were talking about car insurance. I don't know what that was about, but I'm, I'm sure that it was good, right? It was a good thing. Uh, so let's just, let's just chat about these a little bit. What comes to mind? What's top of head when you think of the word or hear the word law? What's that? The Torah. All right. The theologians among us will think about Torah, uh, which is the Hebrew word for law. That's correct. What else? Rules, yeah? How many had some version of rules? Like when I hear law, I hear rules. Okay, good. What else? 
Sure, guidelines, right, or curbs, yeah, like, a, like on a street, right, that sort of help keep you in the way. Good. What else? Restrict my freedom. Yeah, how many of you had something like that, right, that the law restricts my freedom? You're not raising your hands. That's awesome. You guys are liars. That's great. Okay. It's good tea. Yeah. Anything else when you hear law? Yeah. Creating order. Yeah, creating order. Anything else? Lloyd? Sure. Yeah. As we drop into these fail these laws, yeah. we're not going to make it. Yeah. It's good. So so at some level they are for our good. Yeah? Okay. Anything else? Tammy? Tammy will have a unique sort of a perspective when we get to commandment number four. I look forward to that. That'd be really good. Yeah, it is interesting. It makes me wonder how many laws in Colorado were written because of things that I did, right? Like, <laughs> it's 20 page policies. You're welcome, uh, citizens of Colorado. Yeah, it's good. Judy, what did you have? Interesting. If, if, if we were to follow the Ten Commandments, this is a good question, rhetorical question. If we were to follow these Ten Commandments, uh, would we need all the laws that we have? That's good. All right, let's talk about the second one. This is good. Uh, the second one is, do people generally like or dislike the law, and why do you think so? What do you reckon? I think people dislike the law when it doesn't fit their agenda. Okay, so they, perhaps they like it, until it doesn't fit their agenda, what they'd like to do, what freedom they want, right? And then... Sure. Good. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. So, so potentially dislike because it forces accountability. That's really interesting, Grace. Yeah. Do we like accountability? I don't. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, good. Less. Okay. It uh, gives us some protection. Mm-hmm. And so people like it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Jeanette. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah, that is the challenge, certainly, of the law, right? It's trying to, trying to figure out a way that it fits uh, a broad or diverse category of people, right? Dave? I, and, and we talked a little bit, it's got to be a just law. Mm. There's a lot of things that were pushed into law that were extremely unjust. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so Dave, Dave's given some, uh, some clarity around the word just, right? It has to be a just 
law. We could talk about this a little bit, about who gets to decide what's just and what's not just, right? Because I think uh, to the former question, there are some people who, when they hear the word law, think justice. And there are others who think injustice, right? Sort of simultaneously. Anything else? Do people generally like it or dislike it? And why do you think so? Listen. Yeah. 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 There is this weird juxtaposition. She, uh, she's just saying, like, at some level, we kind of crave boundaries. It's actually really good for us to know what's in and out of bounds. That's out of bounds. Um, that that's a really good thing. And and so lots of us crave it. But interestingly, like we we certainly crave it for other people to make sure that they follow the rules. Yeah, anything else? Generally like or dislike the law? Good, let's go to the third one. How many laws do you think you follow on any given day? <laughs> well, the law of gravity, Pastor. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. Countless, I suspect. All right, number four. From, and we've, talked a little, we've already sort of heard this, but from your perspective, what's the purpose of law. Guidance. Guidance? Good. Keeping order. So the the law, uh, now it depends on kind of what, what law we're talking about, and we haven't we haven't given those kinds of definitions yet, but if we're talking about the biblical law, right, the biblical law shows us where we've fallen short and ultimately leads us to the doors of grace, which is beautiful. Right? Uh, I would suggest that the law of land as well shows us where we fall short. It does something very similar. It doesn't always lead us to the door of grace, but it will show us where we fall short. Yeah, what's the purpose of the law? To prevent chaos. To prevent chaos? Yeah? Okay. What else? Dave? I, I had improved cohabitation. What do you mean? Yeah, so, so Dave's talking about, it gives us a way of like cohabitating, right? Um, if I was going to change that language a little bit, Dave, maybe is it fair to say like, uh, in many ways it, it, it helps us live as a community of people together. Because we, we all sort of play by the same rules. We know what to expect out of our neighbors. I mean, this is true like when we're driving, right? We, we, there are laws of the road and we have some trust that as a community, right, we, we know how we're going to behave. Yeah. Anything else? Purpose of the law. Adam? I think uh, along those same lines, it brings a measure of peace that I kind of know, know what to expect. I, I know that if other people cross the lines, if, if there'll be justice that happens, I don't know if the net result is kind of feeling Yeah. Yeah, so the net result, I appreciate kind of that language, right? The net result of the fruit of that is a sense of peace. Yeah. Yeah, Sue. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we need laws because of uh, the acronym on the mug, right? P-A-N-D-G. People are no uh, dang good, right? I guess uh, everybody's broken, right? So laws help us to, to put those into place. Good. Well, we're going to press in then a little bit more. Uh, this just gets our brains around uh, the nature of the law. The Ten Commandments 
the Ten Commandments are referred to as God's law. And we're going to get into, uh, not next week, because next week's a congregational meeting, but the week after, we're going to get into the laws of the Old Testament, uh, ten of which are the Ten Commandments, right? But there's several more in the Old Testament. So we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, in the days to come. But uh, to just kind of get our brains uh, kind of centered together, when, when we think about what the, the Bible talks about in terms of law, the biblical narrative gives us uh, two kinds of law. The first one is moral, M-O-R-A-L, moral law. That is a law that has been written into the hearts of humanity. There is a moral law, and it's written into the hearts of humanity. Now, we could, we could argue all kinds of reasons that people don't have moral law anymore, but that's, that's not the point of what the Scriptures are saying. The Scripture is simply saying that the law has been written into our hearts, into the hearts of humanity. We experience the moral law by something we call the conscience. I think of those cartoons, right, where, you, where you've got somebody on each shoulder sort of telling you, running a debate, right, between the angel and the devil. That's... It's kind of freaky as a kid when I think about it, actually. But, um, you know, this, this idea that there is in us a, a sense, an innate sense of what is right and what is wrong, and that's written into our hearts. A couple of references there, either in Jeremiah 31, 33, where God is talking about the new covenant that he is going to make and how he's going to write the law on the hearts of humanity. And in Romans 2, Paul is making the same argument that people are without excuse because God's law has been written into their hearts from the beginning of creation. So there is a moral law, and we experience that moral law through conscience. The second, the second kind of law, biblically speaking, is what we call the revealed law. The revealed law. That is law outside of us. And so the moral law is one that's been written inside of us, and the revealed law are the laws outside of us. And biblically speaking, here now we're talking about, most often, the Ten Commandments. Right? These were the laws revealed by God to Moses for his people. And the references there are Exodus 21 through 7, which is the Exodus version of the Ten Commandments, and then Deuteronomy 5, which is the Deuteronomy version of the Ten Commandments, and they are not quite the same, and we'll talk about that uh, in the weeks to come and why they're not, all right? So biblically speaking, two kinds of law, one that's written in the heart and one that's been given to us by God. Right? One written in the heart, one given to us by God. Uh, here's what I'd like to do. Uh, I, you should have a world law. We're just going to take a little quiz on how well you know the laws, all right? How, how well you know the law. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read five laws that are on the books, and your job is simply to determine whether this law is true or false. That's it, right? Just true or false, 50-50 chance, right? Whether this law is true or false. These are laws written on the books, uh, both here in the United States and around the world. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to just exercise your knowledge of the law. Here's number one. Uh, number one. In the Colorado mountains, it is illegal to collect rainwater. True or false? Write it down. In the Colorado mountains, it is illegal to collect rainwater. Number two, 
In Switzerland, it is illegal to flush a toilet after 10 p.m. True or false? In Switzerland, it is illegal to flush a toilet after 10 p.m. No cheating. I see you looking at your neighbor. <laughs> Number three. In Bangladesh, for children 15 and older, it is illegal to cheat on final exams, punishable by jail time. True or false? In Bangladesh, for children 15 and older, it's illegal to cheat on final exams, punishable by jail time. True or false? Number four, in Victoria, Australia, it is illegal to change a light bulb unless you are a certified electrician. True or false? <laughs> Number five. Number five. In France, <laughs> in France, it is illegal to name a pig Napoleon. True or false? Let me read them again. Number one, in Colorado, it's illegal. In the Colorado mountains, it's illegal to collect rainwater. Number two, in Switzerland, it is illegal to flush a toilet after 10 p.m. In Bangladesh, for children 15 and older, it is illegal to cheat on final exams, punishable by jail time. In Victoria, Australia, it is illegal to change a light bulb unless you are a certified electrician. And number five, in France, it is illegal to name a pig Napoleon. So let's go to number one. In the Colorado mountains, it is illegal to collect rainwater. True or false? It is true. You cannot in the Colorado mountains. Number two, in Switzerland, it is illegal to flush a toilet after 10 p.m. True or false? It is true. You get to let it mellow all night long. So no flushing it down. Number three, in Bangladesh... For children 15 and older, it is illegal to cheat on final exams punishable by jail time. True or false? It is true. Number four. In Victoria, Australia, it's illegal to change a light bulb unless you are a certified electrician. True or false? That is true. You must be a certified electrician. Number five. In France... It is illegal to name a pig Napoleon. True or false? That is also true. <laughs> now, uh, we'll ask some questions like this again in two weeks. So if you want to scour the internet for all kinds of things, world laws, enjoy. Have fun. How much people follow these laws uh, is a whole other thing. Nevertheless, they are laws on the books. Here's what I'd love for you to do as an individual. I would love for you, there should be numbers one through 10 now. I would love for you as individuals by yourself to simply write down the 10 commandments. Now, some of you are already feeling shame. You shouldn't. You shouldn't feel shame. Remember, we always come back to the fundamentals. Right? So as individuals, I just want you to write what you know, right? What are the 10 commandments? <laughs> Give us some more specificity about your law, Pastor. Uh, ideally, they're in numerical order. If you get all 10 and they're just out of order, we'll count them. All right? 
So what are they? Just as individuals, what are the Ten Commandments? Not open book, yeah. <laughs> we do have the book, but no. Some of you are working really hard at this. Don't, don't work harder than you should. <laughs> Some of you are straining to eighth grade confirmation. <laughs> oh, what did pastor say back then? All right, 30 more seconds. Can't write that fast. 40 seconds. We're going to see, we're going to see, <laughs> you did. Who would like to give me one of them? Any one of them. Lloyd. All right, so Lloyd started with number one, commandment one, number one is you shall have no other gods before me. That's correct. Right? You shall have no other gods before me. That's commandment number one. That's correct. Who's got another one, whether it's number two or something else? Yep. Two is uh, not verbatim, but under the name of the Lord your 
Honor God's name, yes. Some, some would say, do not take the Lord's name in vain. There's right? another way to say that. That is, that is number two. Good. Number three. Yes, the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Keeping it holy. Good. Number four. Honor your father and your mother. That's correct. That's number four. Now, this potentially is where it gets a little tricky. What's number five? Which one is it? Steal or murder? <laughs> this is a weird question just to be saying out loud. I'm, just, I'm hearing it now that it's, now it's out here. All right, how many of you think stealing? How many of you think murdering? You shall not murder. That's correct. <laughs> okay. What's next? Adultery? Stealing. I like you, Brandy. You're an educator. <laughs> it's fantastic. Now, this is where some of you are going to be like, this is cheating. It depends. And it depends a little bit on whether we're taking the Ten Commandments from Deuteronomy or whether we're taking the commandments from the book of Exodus. But in the end, or if we're taking the commandments from the Catechism, <laughs> which makes it even more complicated... All right. So uh, when I when I uh, am thinking about commandment number, what are we on six now? Are we on six? You shall not commit adultery. Yeah. Then seven. You shall not steal. Number eight. Yeah, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Number nine, shouldn't covet. Number 10, you shouldn't covet. <laughs> yeah. Nine and 10 are really, really close, right? Particularly about coveting. And oftentimes in the catechism, nine and 10 come together. Uh, because it is a, a breakdown. So, these are God's law. We shall know the gods before him. We should be careful with his name. We shouldn't take it in vain. We should honor or remember the Sabbath day. Right? Honor our father and mother. Right? Keep those things true. Uh, we shouldn't murder. Shouldn't commit adultery. Shouldn't steal. Shouldn't bear false witness. Shouldn't covet. These, these, are, these are God's law. Bless you. So as a table, again, we, we already talked briefly about a couple of them. But as a table, what, what specific issues, as you just think about those, what specific present-day cultural issues do you think the Ten Commandments might address? We've talked about some of them already. Are there any others? I just want you to write them down briefly, and then we're going to look at two more texts here before we're done. What other issues might the commandments talk about? Cultural issues. 
All right, are there, let, let's just talk about it briefly. Are there any other cultural issues that we haven't mentioned yet? We mentioned simple things like sexual ethics, simple. Uh, things like sexual ethic, right? We've talked about uh, the use of force, particularly about the use of firearms and self-defense. We've talked about how we honor the government. What else? Idols? American Idol. Who loves that show, by the way? Interesting. All right? What else? Cultural issues. Nancy? Ooh, social media and coveting. Ooh, that's true. I like it. What else? Abortion, capital punishment. Sure, just war we could probably put into that as well. Anything else, Lloyd? That is true, yes. It naturally comes against uh, what we want to do. Eli? So interestingly, though, right? I mean, the bearing a false witness, and we'll, we'll unpack what that means, because uh, it, it doesn't only mean uh, I shouldn't lie about my neighbor's reputation. It also means I should uphold my neighbor's reputation. And so he's talking specifically, he's talking specifically about politics, though I don't think it's limited to the political realm, right? How we think about, speak about, care for, and guard our neighbor's reputation matters. Other issues? What was that? Corporate, Corporate greed? Yeah. How we, care for the poor. How we care for the poor. Also true. That's good. Karen? Sabbathing? I love that one of God's commandments is to rest. All right? That probably, if you were with us for the ruthless elimination of hurry, right, we should remember this is actually one of the big ten. We should rest. Yeah. Yep. All kinds of sexual ethic issues. So you can begin to see when we know God's law kind of in front of us, in front of our face, we begin to see why knowing them, not only knowing them, but living them matters in the world today, right? How we think about things and how we address those things. I want to pull out two bits of context and clarity for us before we really are going to dive into the commandments in two weeks. And the first one is in Exodus. So I want you to grab a Bible. Come with me to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to look at the very first verses of the Ten Commandments as given by God to Moses. And sometimes we read over these uh, first two verses and we read over them too quickly, but it really does matter for us as we think about our lives in Christ. So Exodus chapter 20 uh, starting, uh, starting at verse, verse 1. Exodus 20, verse 1. It says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he goes on to speak the Ten Commandments. What has God said in two verses here? that we should probably pay attention to. He has authority, right? He has the authority. Why? Do we? Because he made us. What else? Because of his rescue. Church, I, I, I think we need to hang on to that context. 
God has already, in the story, rescued the people of Israel. He's already rescued them out of the hands of Egypt. It's on the other side of his rescue, right? It's on the other side of his rescue that God reveals then the law. Another way to think about this is now that, if I'm sort of the Lord, now, now that I've rescued you, now that I've saved you out of the hands of slavery, let me tell you how you should live. The commandments are really given in response to God's salvific move in Exodus. Right? These are laws given in response to God's rescue. God's rescue isn't dependent on Israel living these laws. He's already saved them. These are the response. Then how do we live as God's people having been rescued by God? Well, we can say the same thing, can't we? We too have been rescued out of the hands of slavery, out of the hands of sin. And God's law in this case God's law in this case is how we ought to live. The second one here comes from Jesus. So let's get to Matthew's gospel, Matthew 22. So Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. And my guess is um, this text may be familiar uh, to us, but I want us to just... Center on it here for a second. So Matthew 22, 34 through 40. So up to this point, a little context, Jesus, again, is kind of having a row with uh, the religious uh, hierarchy, with the elite. And um, he's really just continuing to press their understanding of the law. So we get to 34. Here's what we read. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, <laughs> asked them a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Yeah. So the, the Pharisee is just trying to get Jesus to say, tell me what's the most important of the of the commandments in the law, whether he's talking about all 613 or whether he's talking about 10, they want Jesus to pick the one. What's the most important? So here's what, here's what Jesus says. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all of the prophets. There's two things that are happening here that we should hang on to. The first, uh, because he's Jesus, he is, in many ways, boiling down all ten commandments into two phrases. Loving God, right? Soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor. If we, think, if we think about the commandments, if we think about 
commandments number one through three. So no other gods, the care of God's name, and honoring the Sabbath. That is how we love God. By behaving in those ways. Commandments four through ten are how we love our neighbor. This is often called the two tables of the law. Table one is how we love God. So if you can imagine like the two stones, right? The two sort of, everybody's seen the history of the world where Moses comes down, right? He's got three tablets. It's like God's 15 commandments. And he drops one. He's like 10 commandments. It's beautiful. You should see it. But imagine, imagine like these two, two tables, two stone tables. This is where the kind of idea comes from. Table one, commandments one through three, is how we love God. And commandments four through 10 are how we love our neighbor. So we should see Jesus boiling the 10 commandments down, right? Saying the 10 commandments, all 10 of them, quite honestly, are about this. And this is the second thing. The 10 commandments are how we love. Did you catch that? The 10 commandments are how we love. They're how we love God. And they are how we love our neighbor. It's interesting, uh, nobody in here uh, said these words, and we're talking about what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word law? Nobody said love. All right? Now, how we care for, right? How we think about, I think that's probably wrapped up in what some of you are saying. But Jesus is really clear. You want to know the greatest commandment? It's to love. And commandments 1 through 3 tell us how to love God, and commandments 4 through 10 tell us how to love our neighbor. So living then in the words and the ways of Jesus, living in those words and ways, the one who says, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, he is the perfect example of what it means to love God and neighbor. And then we endeavor by God's Holy Spirit to be shaped and molded into his image so that, like Christ, we can love God and neighbor. I come back to the fundamentals. <laughs> the fundamentals of how we love. So in two weeks, we'll come back and we'll start diving into commandment number one, right? Next week is the congregational meeting right in this room. So two weeks from now, back in to commandment one. All right, what does it mean that we should have no other gods before him and why? All right, All right let me pray for you and get you on your way. Good and gracious Father, say thank you. Lord, we pray that you would teach us to love. <laughs> to love you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. But also to love our neighbor in the same way that we love ourselves. So as we, as we journey and endeavor through these 10 ways of loving, we pray that you would stretch our minds We pray, Father, that you would shape and mold us deeper into your image, that you would prune away things in us that are unhelpful. But the Lord, so that we as a community of faith, so that the world might see, that they might know you by our love. So to that end, Father, to that end we endeavor in the words, in the power, in the authority, and in the grace of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.